now that we've seen that it can be done, that people can be housed and that we can provide support and help to get people back into society, we cannot as a society let those people slip through the net ever again. Bianca, thank you for joining me. We met, uh, you only just told me and I forgot, November the 14th or October the 14th at Lords. Yeah, a very uncomfortable night that was uh, with about uh, 50 of us sleeping outside on the hard old uh, concrete floor of the stands at Lords. Yeah, we met through the CEO Sleep Out. You're the wonderful CEO of the CEO Sleep Out. Really excited to be having a conversation with you because you're doing some incredible stuff and you have a really interesting insight through your unique lens on what is going on currently and what needs to change coming out of COVID. So first of all, can you tell me what your old new normal was and what your new normal is? Old normal was a very hectic lifestyle for me. Uh, a CEO of CEO Sleep Out, there really is just me. So I do have volunteers, but I don't have a team. I don't have a workforce. Um, and I was running um, 20 plus events annually. Uh, quite often juggling up to 10 events uh, at, in one during one sort of time period or season, so, so spring or, or autumn. And what that meant was working with a big venue like Lord's Cricket Ground or St. James in Newcastle um, or Emirates Old Trafford in Manchester, uh, liaising with them to make the event happen, recruiting uh, the participants, liaising with the, the charities that we, um, we help to fund, so people working at the front line of homelessness and poverty. And, um, and sleeping out myself, hosting each event and sleeping out, you know, up to 20 times a year. So pretty hectic lifestyle, um, but managed to, you know, last year managed to raise um, circa 400,000 pounds to distribute back to charities working at the front line of homelessness um, in different cities across the UK. So it was a really worthwhile thing to be doing. Devastatingly, uh, thanks to the COVID crisis, we've had to cancel all of our upcoming events this year. So our income has gone to virtually zero. We're not in a position to help people when they absolutely need it most. Um, really, now is the time, you know, charities need, need support. And, and so new normal is really racking brains, um, thinking how, how can we do something that was an events-based outdoor based fundraising exercise, how can we how can we do that? I think we've come up with a, a solution to raise a bit of money, um, but nothing like the figures that, that we know we should be raising and, we, and the figures that are needed by the charities that we support. And before we get into speaking around the event that's gonna be used to raise the money, let's talk more around the, the unique problem that homelessness uh, is facing at the moment. Can you just give an overview on what the government's response to tackling homelessness is and actually why they did it and what needs to happen moving forward. Eight weeks ago, uh, something extraordinary happened. The government gave councils two-day window. On a Wednesday, they announced to councils that all rust sleepers in council area legally had to be ho housed, um, put into accommodation by the weekend. So that's literally you know, a 48-hour window councils had to act. They were given the resources to do that. And out of 8,000 estimated rough sleepers in the UK, we know that 5,000 have been homed. That is a, an extraordinary, phenomenal uh, effort. Um, so we know it can be done. How was that done? Do you know? Do you know the details? Where, where, they, where they housed, how it happened operationally? 
uh, housed in a mixture of different types of accommodations and, and hotels often were, have been used. Councils are in a position where they generally know the rough sleeper population in their area. Um, so they've gone out and made sure that teams are outreaching and made sure that those people are pulled in um, with no excuses. Um, also given the money to, to make that happen, you know, and it's, it's, it's a one-off and, 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 and I'm very cynical and I think make no mistake that this is about not having people with visible signs of illness and dying on the streets in the city of the UK. I think it's about optics. I think that's provided the, the political motivation to do something during this crisis. Um, but I think that what it shows is that how desensitized we have been to accepting that level of rough sleeping as a, a normal. You know, 380,000 homeless in the UK, not normal. 14 million, which is a fifth of the entire population of the UK, living below the poverty line, struggling to put food on the table. Not normal. Nearly quarter of a million children in the UK registered homeless and living in unfit and insecure accommodation. What's normal about that? But these are all the things that we accepted as part of our society, as, as part of normal. What happened there for us to be able to just, as humans generally, to be able to just accept that as a part of life. It's a, it's a case of meritocracy and it not directly affecting our material lives that has led to the desensitization of homelessness. And that brings me to how you got to this point. What got you on this journey? Well, I grew up in New Zealand and in New Zealand, when I grew up, there was no homelessness. So I never saw a rough sleeper ever. I also lived in London and I lived in Edinburgh. And I think one of the things that, that really got me when I lived in Edinburgh, and this is the late nineties, was the, the number of rough sleepers lined up um, along a wall on the Lothian road, the temperature was you know, consistently was about minus six degrees for a couple of nights in a row, for maybe a week in a row. And I just thought these people are actually going to die. You know, and it was, it was shocking. So that feeling of the injustice um, has never left me. Accepting it as a society has got to stop. Now that we've seen that it can be done, that people can be housed and that we can provide support and help to get people back into society. And there's a large portion of people who, um, like the young uh, man that you stopped to help Toby, who are, can be productive, they are on the street through no fault of their own, just a set of random circumstances and bad luck has put them there. And they are ready and willing to find work and get back into accommodation and start a produ productive life. Those are the type of people that absolutely cannot, we cannot as a society let those people slip through the net ever again. Now that we know, that when it's important to government and when the pressure's on, they can fix it. When it, when it reflects on them, right? Yeah, when it reflects on them. It is, a, it is about optics, but, um, but what I do, Toby, is I work, as you know, with the business community and I work with business leaders who I believe have a, a powerful voice that, and that's one that policymakers listen to. And I think that what we need now is a critical mass from different sectors of society and, different communities and the business community is a big one 
that will stand up and, and say, we, we, we will not accept that level of homelessness ever again. So I need, I want to campaign and galvanise that section uh, of society. And now is the time to do it, right? Absolutely. In those initial one to two weeks where there were homeless people dying on the streets, it wasn't in the news. It wasn't covered at all. And I feel like even now, this huge effort of saving 5,000 people, also that's not in the news. Those people in the know are aware of it, but are, are, are the mass aware of it? In order to actually come to that conclusion themselves that this can be done, so why should it be happening in the future? It's not dominating the news cycle because people are so concerned about other more pressing issues. But yes, there's no reason why uh, homelessness and rough sleepers being turfed back out onto the street post-COVID shouldn't cause outrage. What interesting anecdotes or insights that you've learned from directly working with business leaders and CEOs through the CEO Sleepout? Well, the people that would come to a CEO Sleepout, they come for a number of different reasons and they're not always altruistic. Um, so they might come for the PR opportunity, the networking opportunity, and then there are some who come for really altruistic reasons or, or they've got a personal connection to homelessness. When I've got that captive audience and they hear some personal stories, it's amazing how their compassion can unlock and we can create real empathy and understanding right through what we're doing. Um, and what amazes me is that people in business really do care. They care about the health of society. They care about living their values. Um, they care about the impact that they're having as leaders. They care about the impact that their business is having on the world. So that's when we can encourage them to make a difference. And you said a big part of that is, is storytelling. Uh, storytelling unlocks compassion. How do you use storytelling uh, in your day-to-day -day life through the CEO Sleepout? So quite often at an event, we will have somebody who's lived through a homelessness experience or a rough sleeping experience, and they can uh, talk in the first person about what they've been through. And that's incredibly powerful. Um, through 2018, I had um, a woman, uh, a trans woman called Jenna, uh, who's a data analyst, was working at boohoo.com, very, very successful, elegant, well-spoken uh, tell her story of homelessness and it is a very harrowing story but she came to a number of events to tell that story because it, it was so powerful and had so much impact. Another speaker that was really phenomenal that I brought to London who you saw was Dr Sabrina Cohen-Hatton. Amazing, firefighter. Firefighter, one of the top uh, six CFOs in the country author of a book called The Heat of the Moment about decision making and, and firefighting and also a psychologist. And she's a diminutive five foot, very, very beautiful woman. And when she got up to talk, you know, the jaws absolutely dropped because she was homeless for a period of two years from the age of 16 to 18. And she talked about the hunger. She talked about the shame. Uh, very powerful, this idea of when she was, you know, people throw their lunches into the bin and then she'd go and look for some food and, and the disdain that she would receive from passers-by muttering how, dis how disgusting it was. And, you know, it's that awful, awful feeling of shame, but she had no other choice but to be homeless at that time. Tell me about 
what's happening on June the 1st? So we are doing the nationwide stay at home sleep out. So we're inviting people, it doesn't have to be business, families, kids, anybody and anybody to grab a sleeping bag, bunk down somewhere safe outside or inside their own home and raise some money and we will distribute that to the Trussell Trust. They're the food bank, right? The Trussell Trust? Yeah. And what they told me was that it's, it's an incredible equation that 100 pounds creates 2,000 meals. Isn't that amazing? It's like worked out 5p. I mean, it was just, it was just, it was, was mind-blown. We can do so much good. We can do so much good. So we're asking people just to try and raise 100 quid, get down there with their family, get sleeping out and um, get that money raised through sponsorship or donation, whatever and get that money through and we'll distribute that out to the Trussell Trust. But we've also got partners working up and down the country, um, charities who are recruiting for their own charity and they're receiving the majority of the funds um, raised for the, by people they recruit. And how else can we get involved in the, the mission to end homelessness? Don't accept homelessness as any kind of normal because we know now at least rough sleeping can be, can be solved. But, um, but, you know, what we're trying to do is... is change the motivation to solve it we, we probably can't solve it but we can change the, the the motivation we can put pressure on we can start advocating for a better kind of society so this is kind of how what we move through post-covid and i heard somebody speak about the analogy not of old normal new normal um because what was normal about the old? So what was normal about having 210,000, nearly quarter of a million children in the UK registered homeless and living in unfit and insecure accommodation? What's normal about that? Nothing. What's normal about 8,000, which is Shelter's estimate of rough sleepers in the UK? How can we allow it? There's lots of analogies around the normal and and what this period of time is and it is a time of reflection and we should as a society come out of this better more aware more introspective and 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 one one person i i heard speak about it was about we've been through a phase of childhood where we demand everything be delivered to us and doesn't matter what you know we, we don't really realize the cost of that but we're growing up into some kind of adulthood where we take responsibility i like that and, and actually that's our true nature i mean you must have read the story in the guardian about the boys the, the real Lord of the Flies. Yeah, yeah. They didn't end up killing each other and eating each other. No, exactly. It couldn't be further from Lord of the Flies if it tried. And, it, and, and the fellow that wrote the, the book, which included that story, um, has done the research to find that humans are inherently cooperative, inherent, and will, will form a, co a, a, a cooperative and kind society given the rights encouragement motivation and parameters and the downside of that is this we do things because we want to please the group and fit into a group and sometimes that group think and that tribe think can lead us to do some dreadful things but on the whole we want to be part of a collective and we want to help each other i mean those horrible things that you just referenced to that's only coming out as a result of fear right yeah and if that fear and uncertainty isn't there then what can we become i want to do a follow-up with you so we can speak for half an hour solid on compassionate capitalism. We had a long conversation around it before in uh, seven months, was it seven months goes? Yeah. And we didn't get to that point in this conversation, but that's everything we're working towards in Shift, ushering in the new era of compassionate capitalism as the new norm, where business success is measured on impact, not just uh, profit.
And I think we could go on a long tangent and rant on just on that topic between us. Well, let's do that, Toby. I think we, we absolutely should have worked together on that. But lovely to lovely to talk uh, with you. Uh, thank you for your time. And can't wait for June the 1st. Wonderful stuff. I'll get my sleeping bag out. You do that. You do that, young man. <laughs>